I tell you what, if there's ever a time, I know there's a lot that's on our minds, but if there's ever a time we need to be heavenly minded, today's that day. Now is that time. Amen. Sister Heather Wilson asked me to remind you, mamas and daddies and aunties and uncles and grandmas and grandpas, that when service is over, if you could pick up the babies at Castle Hall. They are over there uh, working on Christmas play, utilizing the space there. And so anyway, just a reminder, if you don't pull out and say, well, we'll catch them Sunday. Uh, <laughs> Sister Heather may not appreciate that. Uh, uh, but... Uh, Anyway, say, well, there might be some leftover food in Castle Hall, water, restrooms, that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, go and uh, grab, grab the kiddos up uh, there at, at Castle Hall uh, here at the close of service tonight. Amen. Let me uh, just remind you here of a couple of things. I told Brother Wesley Coleman that I, I apologize. I, I failed to remember this. And... Uh, forgot to mention that even, even with Christmas in the park taking place on December 17th, there is still regular night strike, uh, which is coming up here on the 2nd um, of December. I didn't put it on the calendar. I didn't announce it Sunday. But if you would like to go out and to be a part of night strike, uh, that will be at 6.30 in the evening. There at Weiss Park, same place where Christmas in the park is going to take place on the 17th. And regular uh, regular uh, service and things of that nature for night strike. A meal is going to be provided and goods distributed and uh, prayer and preaching and worship. and uh, All of those things are going to be taking place. So that's happening uh, Friday night at 6.30 if you are able to go out and be a part there's always a place to be able to serve, whether that's setting up, clean up, serving food, talking with folks, uh, spending some time praying, helping to pass out goods, whatever the case might be. There's always something to do. And so uh, if you would like to be a part of that, we encourage you uh, that's going to take place Friday. Let me also remind you ladies that Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, December the 6th, at 6.30 in the evening will be the Women's Christmas Fellowship. That's going to take place at Castle Hall. And uh, there's going to be uh, uh, food and fellowship. Uh, I think they're going to be doing some uh, Christmas cookie decorating. And uh, uh, there's going to be some uh, snacks and things of that nature. Just a great time to come together and fellowship. Ladies, if you uh, can invite somebody, if you've got a niece, a mom, a daughter, a uh, granddaughter, whatever the case might be, uh, other special ladies in your life, and you'd like for them to come out and be with you, invite them. Uh, we do have, back on the information table, there is a sign-up sheet for the event, and really this just helps us to get a number uh, for the cookies that are going to be purchased for decorating, uh, wanting to be sure that there is enough for everybody. So if you are coming and maybe you know that you have two or three or four that's coming with you. If you just put a number out beside your name, we'd appreciate that. If you can help by making a, a treat, something sweet or a type of finger food, something of that nature, that would be a help and a blessing. If you want to bring uh, some something to drink, uh, Coca-Cola, tea, lemonade, whatever the case might be, any of those things with finger foods, uh, things of that nature, uh, but anyway, that's going to be Tuesday. We'll have some further announcements, text message, Facebook, things of that nature. So we just want to remind you about that. And uh, then uh, also, uh, let me make mention, uh, you can see everything that's taken place in December. December calendars are back on the officer's table and the information table. Pick you one up as we have different things that are going on. Uh, and it's hard to believe we're in the last month of, of 22. This year has went by in a hurry. And uh, we have uh, different things going on for the church, for the young people, uh, for our widows group, the Ladies of Grace. Let me go ahead and announce this. Uh, on Saturday the 10th, 
ladies of grace for all of our widows uh, here at the church. There's going to be a meeting uh, at 11 o'clock on Saturday the 10th. Sister Linda, they've got some special things lined out. I think there's also some special ministry opportunities that they're working on that's going to coordinate with Christmas in the Park and also uh, I think something special that they're putting together uh, to be a blessing to Brother Preston Jones who is down uh, serving at the border. He will not be able to be home for Christmas and I thank the ladies as well as there's going to be opportunity from the church. If you'd like to send Brother Preston a card, we're going to put together a nice goodie box with different things in there, Christmas cards, and send it down there to him to be able to enjoy. But anyway, ladies, any of our widow ladies uh, who are interested, if you've not got to come yet to this fellowship or be a part of this group, or if you are, if you've got questions, you can see Sister Linda Rich and she can help you out there. But anyway, just want to remind you of that, uh, what is taking place. And so anyway, you can get a calendar, as I made mention, and uh, there's a lot of things that are transpiring here in the month of December. So we are going to just buckle up and and uh, head on, right on to Jesus Terry on into uh, this new year. But anyway, uh, we thank God for his faithfulness and we thank God for you and your faithfulness all year long and all of the things uh, that have taken place and are taking place here at Victory. If you would stand with us tonight as we get into the Word of God, Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to start reading in verse number 28. Matthew chapter 11 and 28, and then keep your Bible there handy. We're going to be looking at a couple of other places tonight. As uh, we here have been in the sermon series of Take My Yoke Upon You. And uh, the last couple of Wednesdays, last week, we were uh, out for uh, the Thanksgiving break. Uh, I was out uh, for school convention, so I've had a couple of Wednesdays where uh, we've been out of pocket and um, we've had our other uh, ministers who've been doing a, just a fabulous job ministering and appreciate them so very much. But we're going to pick up here uh, on this and uh, take a look here uh, in, this, uh, in this sermon series uh, here tonight. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. This has been our central text and if you're there with me, why don't you say amen? The Bible says, Christ speaking, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We've talked about, preached about the invitation that's been extended. The invitation to those that are weary, wounded, burdened, broken. Amen. You are the perfect candidate. Amen. For God to do something with and for God to do something through. Amen. And so we were talking about this invitation. He goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Can I just say this right here. It says, and you shall find rest. Doesn't that sound nice? Doesn't that sound like a blessing? Rest. And I'm not just talking about shoes off in your easy chair, vegging out in front of your television. But I'm talking about rest. Have you ever gotten rest and refreshment that just, it just was, it was from within, in your soul. You just knew you were being renewed and refreshed. A rest that is from heaven itself. He says, I will give you rest. He says, I am meek and, uh, I'm sorry. I, you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, once again, I thank you for every heart and life represented. We thank you for your word. And I pray once again that your word be alive. Lord, speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, let our ears be open and attentive. And let the word be as that, uh, that seed that falls and is planted 
in the fertile soil of our soul. I pray, Lord, let it bring forth a harvest. Lord, I pray tonight, touch our minds, anoint my mind, my lips, Lord, to preach with clarity and direction from heaven itself. And Lord, that we can say that we have been challenged and changed as we leave this house. We thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this evening. When we left off, we have covered the invitation, as I mentioned. We've also talked about destroying the yokes of bondage. You have to understand, again, just let me make a quick reference. There's two different yokes that we find in Scripture. There are yokes of bondage. There are yokes that are oppressive. There are entanglements of the soul. The Word of God reminds us that that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Also, we find that in our knowing, in our humanity, it says when uh, when we are doing, if I can paraphrase, but, it, but the word of God says, to him that knoweth to do good and do it not, to him it is sin. And we find the word of God tells us, and we've read in various places about yokes that were used as, as terms or as forms of imprisonment. Forms of punishment, forms of slavery. There were kings that would overtake countries, territories, and people. And Brother Hemphill, they would even destroy yokes of wood and make yokes of iron in order to, in order to make the oppression even greater. We find the word of God tells that there is promise in what God wants to do. Because when we think of this, we think about the yoke and we know that the word of God tells us and shows to us, illustrates there are yokes that are of entanglement and punishment and real burden where we are ensnared by our own doing. We are ensnared by the ways of this life, by our flesh, by our desires that do not align with God's way or his word when we are set to do it how we want to do it we come to find ourselves in these places of bondage the word of God reminds us and I just want to read these couple of verses and just to refresh us on where we've been it says in Isaiah 10 and 27 it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing amen Christ would come and the anointing would be there amen that would destroy and break these yokes of bondage and entanglement and that we could walk in the liberty provided by Christ Jesus amen the word of God tells us that whom the son has set free is free indeed. Amen. Did you know the world will tell you all to be committed all that church or they'll use the term well your religion or all these different types of things a lot of them think that they are in liberty and we are the ones in bondage. Paul said there was a time that I was a slave to unrighteousness. He said my members were given over to as a slave of unrighteousness Righteousness, He said, but now I'm a slave to righteousness. And he spoke of that slavery to Christ in the form of, Sister Kimberly said, but I'm more free than I've ever been. Amen. I don't have condemnation any longer. I'm not a slave to sin any longer. But I have found liberty in Christ Jesus. We find in the book of Nahum, chapter 1 and 13 says, for now will I break his yoke from off thee and will burst thy bonds in sunder. Amen. Again, speaking of the liberty that Christ came to destroy the yokes of bondage. 
we find in this that Christ says, I want to make a trade. And we've talked about that divine trade. He says, I want to trade with you. I will break the boat the yokes of bondage. I will set the captives free. He said, but I want to make a trade. He said, will you take my yoke upon you? Can we make this trade? I want you to know this. I want you to have this. I want you to have rest. I want you to have recovery. I want you to be effective, amen, in your life. There's purpose and plan for you, God says. He knows his purpose and plan for our lives. He knows what he's called us to do and to be. He knows the way the step of the gold that I take. Amen. He's the God that takes my crooked paths and he makes them straight. Hallelujah. He makes way in the wilderness and he causes streams to flow in the desert. Hallelujah. Oh, in the ways that I walk and as I commit my way unto him, the word of God says that he will direct our path. Understand God knows that which he wants to perform in us and through us. But he says, I want you to take my yoke upon you. As I said, there are some that view a life surrendered and committed to Christ as some form of bondage. They will say things like, you're not really living. You're not having any real existence. You're just living by a set of rules. You're just being told what to do. You're brainwashed. Anybody heard these things before? Or, oh, you're not. I, I, I was talking with somebody not too long ago, and they said, Brother Jacob, said, I ran into some people I used to run with, and I don't run with them no more. And, and I, you know, I still love them, but there's just not a, a congruency anymore. The things that they're into, I'm not into. God set me free from it and said that, they, they, that my friends approached me, and they said, you've changed. You, you're not the same anymore. And they was meaning it to, to be a, a you know an underhanded a, a, you know a, 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 a to discredit that person and they said brother Jake I I just don't know I don't know what to think about that and I said I told him brother Tobin I said the next time that they tell you that that you've changed you're not the same person I said you don't got to be an arrogant jerk I'm not telling you that I said but also don't be afraid just to square your shoulders a little bit and smile at him and say thank you I'm so glad glad you noticed. I'm so glad because Christ has been making a change in me. Amen. I'm not bound by that stuff any longer. I'm not under the yoke and the bondage of sin. I've been set free. I'm walking in the new life. The word of God said my old man died. I came out of that tomb resurrected into the newness of life. Church I want to tell you there ought to be a difference that is seen. There ought to be a difference that is known by those around you. So the next time you're told you're just brainwashed you're captive. You're just down there letting that preacher yell at you for 45 minutes every week and tell you what to do. Oh, you can just smile and say, I just think I'm going to keep on going on with Jesus. I think I'll keep on walking in the liberty and the newness of life. Hallelujah. Because those of us that have been set free, we know what it is to have rest. We know what it is to be set free. That I'm not a slave and I'm not bound any longer. We were talking about Christ's yoke. And let me hear, let me just share with you some specifics about the yoke. And I ended with this uh, here a couple of weeks ago. And I want to I wanna start with this and then we're going we're gonna to move into where Christ here challenges us with this phrase. Learn of me. We find with the yoke, Christ says, let there be an exchange. Take my yoke upon you. I want you to understand the yoke. We had said this, but just to refresh your mind. The yoke was custom made for the oxen that was going to wear that yoke. That farmer, he would size up his oxen. He would measure out. 
And he would go or he would have someone and they would begin to form and fashion and say, here's the measurements, here's the girth, here's the, here's the diameter, the circumference of the neck, here's what I need. And he would put it all together to where it would custom fit them, to where it would be appropriate for that team of oxen and for the work that was ahead of them. I want you to understand tonight and let me refresh your memory of the fact that where you are and who you are and what God has called you to be. All of us here tonight, we have things that identify us with distinction. Amen. Even if you had identical twins, there are things about them that are separate. There are things about them that identify them and differentiate them from one another. When we look at this, I want you to know that in this house, there are folks from different walks. We have different stories. We have had interaction and access with different people. Sister Coco's story is different than Sister Gloria's. And Gloria's story is different than Brother Mike's. And Brother Mike's is different from Sister Kimberly's. And I mean, I could just point to everybody in here. There's different things that have made us up. Different experiences. Different victories and different failures. Different hurts and pains and losses. And different things. And in different stages of where we are even in Christ that's the beautiful thing about our relationship with God that's the beautiful thing about a church amen you've heard me say this I'll say it again a growing church a church that is alive it's going to have its membership what I mean by membership is its body it, the believers of that body that are going to be in different phases and seasons and points and times in their walk with God and I want you to understand I want somebody to be aware tonight that as you look at the fields before you as you see the work ahead of you as you look at the purpose of what God has as it's unfolding as each day you're doing your best to align yourself in God's will I want to let you know that the things that have brought you to the point of where you are even some of the things that the devil meant to kill you with. Even some of the things that should have destroyed you. Even some of the things that should have had you in the, in the insane asylum, Sister Linda. Some of the things that should have had you to where all you could do, there was a time Sister Gloria, all you could do was drink it away. Drug it away. All you could do was try to find an escape. But here we stand and Christ said, I see your ashes and I'll give you beauty for it. I see your mourning and I'll give you joy. I see your heaviness and I'll give you a garment of praise. I see where you were entangled, but let my anointing, let my blood touch your life and I will liberate you and I will utilize your life and where you are because I have formed and fashioned you. Joseph was already there in Egypt when his brothers made their debut and he fell on them and wept and he said what you intended for evil God made for the good he put me here to save your posterity in the earth what was he saying brother Ben somewhere along the way while I was in that pit while I was in the prison while I've been in the palace God's been fastening a yoke to put on my life to do the work that he's called me to do hallelujah hallelujah there are some there are some I know that we're not proud of every decision I know that there are some regrets we have I know all of us have areas of inconsistency and embarrassment or whatever the case might be but I want to tell you tonight is one of the first things that you've got to do and what Christ is doing when he places a yoke upon you and it is made for you. That's the thing that's so wonderful about the Lord. He does not deal with generalities, but he's intricate. He's detailed. 
Amen. He knows every in and out. I just this week spoke with a lady who had suffered terrible, traumatic sexual abuse when she was at the tender age of four. It happened over and over by multiple people. People she should have been able to trust. People who were supposed to love her and take care of her. Now, by God's grace and his goodness, she has healed. And, and, and talking with her, she said, it's not a moment when you get up and say, oh, I'm healed of this. She said, it's every day it's a process. Every day I'm healing. And she said, and I'll keep healing the rest of my life. But you know what happens, Sister Jennifer? There's times that somebody in such a traumatic event, they would say, Lord, I don't know about this yoke. Why, why is this fitted on me? Now, listen, I'm not asking advocating or saying that God caused that to happen to her. Hear what I'm saying. Don't get me confused. That happened to her because man's deplorable. Because sin is wicked. Right? Can we agree on that? But here's what I want you to know is what will you do? What will the decision be? How will you cope with? What are you going to do from that point? And so she found healing in Christ. She found love in Christ. She found help in Him. And so, Sister Kelly, God's been fashioning and shaping that yoke. And you know what happens, Sister Haley? Is each stage that she grows a little bit more. Each stage that there's a little bit more healing. And the changes that are happening in her and her spirit. The Lord says, that's all right. I've got, I've fashioned another yoke for you. I put this on. And, and can I say, just in this week, that woman who is now uh, now well into uh, her life and God's done very much just this week another young lady that for the last three years has been abused by her family and it all just came out in the wash and all of this happened and God connected that woman with that young girl and that young girl was able to begin to open her heart and share and knew there was something Somebody who understood where she's been. Knew there was somebody who could pray for her like nobody else could pray for her. I can't pray for that girl the way that that woman can because I haven't been there. She's got that yoke. I don't. This is what I'm trying to say. Don't you run around saying, God can't do nothing with me anymore. I'm here to tell you Christ has a yoke fashioned for you and it's going to be used for a greater purpose than you've ever known than you've ever known he says take my yoke upon you it was fashioned for that particular team of oxen I wish tonight that I could give you rhyme and reason for everything you've encountered but I can't I can't for myself so nonetheless I can't for you but here's what I can do, Sister Sheila. I can trust the Lord in the trade. I can trust Him in the process. It's customized. Listen to this. Here's why it's customized. The yoke had some weight to it, but it was not unnecessarily heavy. Notice in our text, he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Now, I don't have time because we preached about this in, a, in some of the earlier messages. But can I say is that there is oftentimes unnecessary heaviness when we are under the yokes of the world. That's why there's never any rest. That's why there's always burden, always burnout, always exhaustion. But here's the thing. The yoke had some weight, but it wasn't unnecessarily heavy. Somebody say this with me. It was enough. It was just enough. Now here's what you had to understand. The yoke had to bear some weight so that the oxen could feel the weight, the guidance of the yoke upon them. Now listen to this. It had some weight, not unnecessarily heavy. It was not designed to wear the oxen out. It was not designed to wear the oxen out or to exhaust them. However, it pressed just enough on the oxidative for the oxen to be sensitive 
to the direction of the farmer. Of where they were supposed to go in the field. Where they were supposed to go. In this, you have to understand the yoke actually worked as a counterweight to help ease the strain of moving heavy objects or when plowing was hard. The oxen could possibly move the same objects without the yoke. The oxen was a, is a strong, the ox is a strong animal, isn't it? And it could probably, Brother Jimmy, on its own, move certain things. But you see, when it tries to do it outside of the yoke, it brings up on itself harm that it never had to deal with. I want you to catch this. There are too many things that we are trying to do on our own. And we go around and we say how hurt we are, how bothered we are, how burdened we are, how messed up this is and that is. And let me just remind you, child of God, there are many things that God said, I'm not asking you to do that on your own. Take my yoke upon you. You need it. It will help you. It's not there to exhaust you. It's not there to wear you out. And let me say this. It was provided to keep the oxen from injury. From injury. How many people, Brother Gold, have we met outside of this church that they would tell you, Brother Marvin, I used to be in the church, or I used to do this, or Brother Tobin, I used to do that, but then it's followed up with this, Brother Darren, but I've been hurt. I've been hurt. We have, and I say this respectively, it's true what I'm saying. And I know it sounds harsh, but it's just got to be said. We've got more people going to hell over hurt. They're going to hell over hurt. They will blame God. They'll blame the church. They'll blame everybody in the church. I'm not going there with a bunch of hypocrites. Let me tell you something. Did you know there's about 200 hypocrites any given time in Walmart, but you go there. Your favorite eating place? Guess what? There's hypocrites there. Come on. Amen. Isn't it funny how we will single out, but that's a ploy of the enemy. Yeah, you don't want to go there because you've been hurt. Look at those people. Look at them. And isn't it funny how the people, the place, the God who can bring you help, who God says, I want you to take my yoke, he will try to create a wedge, the enemy will, and say, no, I, I don't need them. I'm going to do it my way. I'll do this. And we got we got. Thousands and hundreds of thousands of people right here in this community. People that we interact with. Some people you know. Some are in your family. And they are not in God's house. They are not in His presence. Because their reason is I was hurt. And the truth is it was never designed for them to hurt. I know that people can hurt us. I'm not trying to be confusing. I know that we will be disappointed. I know all of those things. But that's why he does not say, take the yoke of the denomination upon you. Oh, you belong to Victory Temple. Take the yoke of victory upon you. Oh, oh Brother Jacob's your pastor. Take the yoke of Brother Jacob. No, I'm a man. I'm human. I'm flawed. Ask Sister Carolyn. She can tell you. There's one or two times a year. I Very rare, Brother Corey. But, but here's what I'm saying. Here's, here's what happened is, is that we identify and we yoke up with other things other than Christ. Other than Christ. He says, this is what my yoke is intended to do. Now, here is the purpose of learning from this yoke. I, I want it. There's, there's very powerful statements in these three verses that I've read to you. Maybe it's two. 28, 29, 30. Those three. So, 
forgive me, just have to count. But in this, there's a lot of powerful things that are said. But I think, I believe, Sister June, one of the most poignant things that Christ says is this right here. Are you listening? He says, learn of me. Learn of me. Christ, our example. Mamal, the word of God, they would refer to him as, some people say Rabboni. I pronounce it Rabboni. But it simply means this, master teacher. And Brother Gold, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So what does this mean? Let's dig a little bit deeper. I may run out of time. But this is good. I'm going to buy my own tape tonight. Amen. Learn of me. Two oxen, two oxen would be joined beneath the same yoke. But here's what you have to understand. Out of the two oxen, one of them had already learned the submission of the yoke. And would help to keep the untrained oxen in step and in line. Now, I don't know if you're catching where I'm going with this. But he says, I want you to learn of me. Now, this is not a statement to demean or minimize Christ. But here's what I want you to understand. Christ, when he said, learn of me, he said, take my yoke upon you, learn of me. He says, I am the one who has learned submission to the Father. He said, so team up and walk with me. He said, and learn of me. And I'll show you what submission is to the Father. Now, Brother Gary, the Word of God has some things to say about this. Let me read to you a discussion that happens. We know about this discussion that happens, but I, I believe that, that, that this is just perfect in the way that it is brought out. Mark chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, turn there. You have your notebook. Or if you're taking notes, jot this down. Mark chapter 10, verse 35 through 38. Mark chapter 10, 35 through 38. Listen to this. Here's two brothers, James and John. It says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, now, I get tickled. I just, I really do. Because when I read this stuff, I'm thinking, they had the audacity to ask Christ some of these questions. But they, they were just, they were just men. They were just, and, and I judge them sometimes, Sister Haley, but we would, some of us would do the same thing. Okay? Don't think you wouldn't. You probably would. All right? But it says this. They come unto him saying, listen, Master, we would that thou should do for us whatever we desire. Isn't that funny? Hey, hey, Lord, we need to talk. Here's what we want. We want you to do for us whatever we want done. Right? What a way to start a conversation. Now listen to what, he, what they say. Or, or here it says, And he said unto them, and I love this because Christ, he entertains this, but what Christ is doing, he's not entertaining to embarrass them but he's doing this, Sister June, to teach them. Why? Because he goes on to say, learn of me. Listen to what he says. What should I do for you? What is it that you want? How can I help you? And this is what they said. They said unto him, grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand. Dun, 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 dun. And the other on thy left hand. In thy glory. Can you, I even hear them saying it with bravado in their voice. Kind of like, you know, how it is when somebody's praying by themselves and when they pray in public. Oh, bless God. Hallelujah. Lord, we want it to where one of us are on your right, one of us are on your left. We're there with you in glory. I mean, we want to sit right there on each side of the throne. That's what we want. That's what we want to do. Can you make that happen for us, Lord? Now, it sounds completely ridiculous to us when we read it. But here's what you have to understand is our 
wants, goals, and desires are often as misaligned as James and John. You may not be asking for a seat on the right and left of him in glory, but there are some things that our want, our desire, our way is predominant. And it has to come under submission. It has to. Listen to what he said. But Jesus said unto them, this is powerful. You know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of? And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? What he meant by that, Noah, is he said, look, there are things that are ahead of me. You have no clue. You have no idea what it's going to be like to go to that cross. You have no idea physically, mentally, and spiritually the pressure that I'm going to be under. That's why he said, can you drink the cup? What's the significance of that statement, Sister Anna? When Christ is praying in Gethsemane, he said, Father, if it's by any means possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. What does that tell me, Brother uh, Tobin? He is the representative of the oxen that has come under the subjection of the yoke of the Father. He said, you fellows don't know what you're asking. You have no clue. You're not ready to drink of it. You're not ready for this baptism. He went on to say, Sister T, you will drink of that cup. Why did he say that? Because they would become martyrs of the gospel. Their lives would be taken for the gospel. He said, you will know what it's like. You will be baptized with this baptism, but not right now. Why, Sister Gay? Because they had to learn to walk under the submission of the Lordship of the Father. So understand, when Christ says, take my yoke upon you, Sister Shan, he wants to help us with the work. He wants to help us with the plowing of the field and the moving of the objects and all of these things that we often think about and focus in. But can I tell you, the most significant thing is that our lives, our heart, our mind is under subjection of the authority of Christ. You're not amen, but that'd be a good place to shout right there. You know why? Because we in our flesh, we have a problem with subjection. We have a problem with submission. I've got two strong boys over here. Now, they love their pastor. And pretty much I could say, hey, could you help me with this? Or could you do this for me or whatever? And most of the time, they say yes. But there are some things that I could give them advice on or tell them about. And they look at me like I'm crazy, like I'm... Just an old man don't know what I'm talking about, right? There are some things that I would tell them or that I might preach from this pulpit and Benjamin Torbert might in his heart on the way home say, you know what, I don't like what Brother Jacob had to say because it didn't bode well with what Benjamin wants to do, right? All of us, now I'm picking on these boys, but everybody in this house we have responsibility to the Word of God and the Spirit of God when He deals, when He speaks. There are some of us that we are injuring ourselves. We are burdened, wore out, and exhausted because we are too hard-headed, stiff-necked, and hard-hearted to submit to the authority of Christ. I love you, but it's the gospel truth. He says, look at my, learn of me. Christ, the Son of God. What did Paul say? He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but also fashioned himself, Brother Gold, in the form of a servant, even unto death, the death of the cross. What was the cross? It was the yoke. It was submission to the will of the Father. When Paul prayed and said, I die daily, 
He was saying, this man, this flesh, my will, my hard head, my ambitions, everything has to be checked by the Word of God, has to be checked by the Spirit of God, and has to be laid on that altar. If I'm going to walk in step and in power of the will of God, if I'm going to know Him in the fellowship of His suffering, in the power of His resurrection, if I'm going to know that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ if I'm going to know that he will lift me into heavenly places it's going to come when I am submitted and walking under his authority and lordship amen brother Jake All right. well I am brother Jake I'm submitted I'm under his authority are you are you When is the last time that we've allowed God to, to break us and mold us? I'm under him. I've heard, I, I talked with a guy one time. I'm, a, I, 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 I'm, I'm surrendered. I'm this. He was telling me everything he was. And in the same breath, well, I don't believe you've got to pay your tithe. What? I thought you was under authority. I thought you was in submission. Right? That means all of my life. It also means my wallet, Brother Tobin. Ooh, it's quiet. Don't worry, I ain't pulled a giving report. I ain't firing anybody yet. Find out you know. Everybody, everybody, well, we're, we're, we're under grace, not the law, Brother Jay. No, I won't tell you. This, I, I'm, I'm using this as a statement, as a as a. As an example, we are saying we all the time will boast about ways that we are submitting. I do this and I don't do this. I don't do this and I do this. But there's areas of our life that are left unchecked and we're not surrendering to what God is asking of us. He says, learn of me. Learn of me. So listen, and I'm running out of time. I know I am. I've got five minutes. How's that? When we thank you. That gives me ten. Just kidding. Everybody got real nervous. Listen to this. Listen, if we can make comparison of the yoke and what it is to surrender to that, walking in step with Christ. Luke 9 and 23, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me. Are you ready? This is what he says. This is the requirement. He said, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Now, here's something interesting. Luke uses this term. I believe it was Mark doesn't use this particular term, but Luke uses it. Luke says this, take up his cross daily. Oh, I thought that was just Sunday. I thought that was just Wednesday. I thought, Brother Jake, that was just during revival. I thought it was only on the missions trip. I thought it was only when you was around and the preacher's watching. I thought it was only when I ran into church folk at the restaurant. No, 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 no. He says, so listen, because he says, take my yoke upon you. And learn of me. And he went on to say. And I'm fast forwarding a little bit. But catch this. He said for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Now listen. That cross represents death. That cross represents crucifying the flesh. But let me say this. Is we have to a certain degree. It's become so contorted. We're just. We're preaching with blood dripping out of our lips. In regards to taking up the cross. But what you have to understand is that cross represents that yoke and that burden. Christ said, I'm walking under that cross. You must walk under that cross. And do it daily. He said, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. All of these factors help to ensure that the oxen would walk consistently there's a great big vocabulary word the church needs to embrace again to walk consistently we have too many in the church who walk erratically 
walking like a drunk man. I mean, just weeble and wobble in and out. One week you're saved, the next week you're backslid. One Sunday you got the victory, Wednesday night you hate everybody. Come on. One Sunday you're shouting around the church, and on Tuesday you're calling and you're ready to quit the church because you just can't do it anymore. Now listen, I get it. There are ebbs and flows. We got feelings that can get out of control, frustrations, all of these things. But can I say something, church? More than ever before, we need to walk consistently. Did you know that your consistency can outlive the criticism of the world? There are some families and friends that are lost and they've got valid criticisms because we aren't as consistent as we should be. And I'll tell you something, somebody who will notice inconsistency first is the lost people in your family. They'll call you out on it all day long. They'll point it out to you. They won't, they won't praise you about all the services you've been to. They ain't going to brag on you about all the tithe you gave. They ain't going to say, ain't that wonderful you served 250 boxes of food to people in the community. They'll say, hey, you didn't do that and you say you did that. You say to live this way, but you're not living that way. Consistency. When we learn of Christ, too many people, when they're thinking that they're learning of Christ, they're thinking of learning other things. They're thinking of how to be affluent, thinking of how to be influential, thinking of how to be so spiritual, thinking of how to be so religious. We've got folks, they can cross every T and dot every I. They've got the hymn book memorized. They can preach to you every Clendenin sermon. They can tell you about every revival they crisscross the country to go to. They press their shirt and tie their tie and they've got the look and they do all those things but friends if there is no consistency what does that mean we need real relationship with him consistent on my good days and I'm going to be consistent when I'm feeling bad consistent when I'm in the pulpit and consistent when I'm on vacation consistent when I'm sitting at the table with church folk and consistent when I'm behind closed doors with my family we need consistency we need to walk in step with the Lord Jesus Christ learn of him one thing that drove the religious nuts is we find in the word of God they was always looking to trap him all the time well the word of God says this Moses and the prophet said this Abraham said this the law says this. And Jesus, he'd just he'd get down the sand and draw pictures in the sand for a little bit. Then he'd look up, Brother Brad, and he'd say, Those of you without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. Drive him crazy. They couldn't argue. I, they, that's why it said they wanted to kill him before it was time to do so. Read the scripture, said Jesus, he would sense those times and he'd just vanish in the crowd. Where'd he go? Which way did he go? Right? He wasn't his time. He knew it. But he would drive people crazy. But here's the thing. Whether he was with the religious or with the publicans, the sinners or the saints, with the farmers or the bankers, wherever he was at, he was consistently Christ. And I don't care how big the church is. I don't care how many numbers we run. I don't care how good the music is. I don't care any of those things. If people can't see consistency in us, they will want nothing to do with us. He said, learn of me. We've got to learn consistency. I know I've got to stop. I don't want to. But I know I've got to. Sister T, would you come help us? When we talk about this, this is why, I want to say this, I, I wanted to be sure to get to this point right here. This is why it is so important. When we are left to ourselves, we behave in error. We walk amiss. We 
ultimately do damage in the fields that God had for us to produce harvest in. We muck it up. Thank you, Siri. Siri's talking to me. She said, here's what I found. She was finding harvest fields for me. Bless her heart. In this, in this, when we are walking in our own right, we will mess it up. And can I tell you, you will mess it up 100% of the time. I will mess it up 100% of the time. I want you to understand, this is why, can I say, the Word of God. We think, or should I say, the world often thinks that the Word of God is so skewed. And it's a narrow point of view because it says things like this. Listen, it says here in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement is there that has the temple of God with idols? You're the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now listen. I, like you, have heard this particular passage preached and blown up completely out of context. I've seen this text used to destroy people, to beat people down. But here's what you have to understand. Why there is a call for us not to be unequally yoked, to link up with unbelievers, those who are not in relationship with God. It's the simple fact is then you have two unlearned, unsubmitted oxen that are not going to do anything but damage. What did Jesus say, Brother Gary? He said it's like the blind leading the what? The blind. And they both wind up in the ditch. That's why we preach to our young people. That's why I tell our young unmarried. That's why I tell folks, be careful. Why, do you, why pursue a companion that you know does not serve God? Why? You're just under a yoke. You're yoking yourself up with somebody and you're two unlearned oxen. And you're not under subjection to the authority of Christ. That's why you got somebody in the church that develops a hateful spirit. Oh, you didn't know I was going to go there, did you? You don't mind if I pick on the singles and the unmarried and talk about dating and courting and all that stuff. But let me just say this. Here's what also happens. You get in a church and you get somebody with a hateful, self-righteous spirit and they ain't happy with anything. They don't like anything. They start gossiping about everything. What do they do, Brother Corey? They're looking for somebody else that they can yoke up with. And what do you got? You got misery and trouble. And they're two unlearned oxen. And they don't bring harvest because they're productive in the field. But Brother Gary, they destroy it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Paul here is giving the comparisons. He said, he said, light and darkness don't mix. God and Belial, which was a false god, don't mix. The temple of the living God and idols, they don't mix. So don't yoke up. There are, listen, I don't want anybody confused. I believe you know the heart of your pastor. Christ didn't snub and he didn't reject the sinner. He didn't. We see that he ate dinner with them. He ministered to them. 
He did all those things, but he didn't sin with them. And what we have to understand is that we are, we are guilty oftentimes. We want the power of God. We want a move of God. We want these things. But I'm asking you tonight, who are you yoked up with? Because it will make a difference in the direction that you're heading. If it's in certain relationships, in certain friendships, if it's in certain companions, if it's in certain ideas, whatever the case might be, be careful. Be careful. That's why Christ said, learn of me. Link up, yoke up with him. Walk consistently with him. Let him lead and guide. And here's what I've come to find. I told Aaron and Kara this. I said, I told him we were doing premarital counseling for several weeks. And I said, here's what I appreciate. Both of you individually. Both of you individually were yoked up with Christ. Pursuing after him. And when Christ came to a stopping point. He said, I want you to stop and look up. He had somebody right there waiting for you. Because at that point in time, he had two people who had lives that were submitted. And he said, now the two of you can walk together. I hope tonight, I know I'm not shouting and jumping on pews and swinging from chandeliers. But this is good teaching. This is good for you. This will help you. This will help you. He said, take my yoke upon, upon you and learn of me. Somebody say, teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord. Can we bow our heads all over this house? Father, I thank you tonight. You've shown us the way. Your word says you are the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by you. Lord, all of us have to check ourselves, what we're aligned with, what we're doing. Some of us, we are outside of the yoke and we are hurting ourselves, hurting others, tearing up fields that could be productive and fruitful, harvest that could be yielded because we're doing it our way. There are situations, Lord, as to where we are asking for things, we're wanting things, but we're not submitted and surrendered and learning of you. There are times we are yoked up with other untrained oxen, others that are just as hard-headed and stubborn, others that their values, their heart, their commitment to you is little to non-existent. And we're thinking we're trying to help him. And we're thinking that we're, we're going to get somewhere. But Lord, your word says, don't be unequally yoked. Let us yoke with you. Take your yoke upon us. And let us learn of you. Challenge us, Lord. Teach me. Teach me, Lord. Where I'm hard-headed. Where I'm hard-hearted. Where I'm stiff-necked. Where Jacob Smith wants his way. And where I try to dig in and fight and kick against the pricks. But Lord, I pray, challenge our hearts. Deal with us. Lord, I believe that there is purpose, plan, and power that you want us to walk in. But we have to surrender and submit under your yoke. Help us. Challenge us tonight. Church, this altar call is very simple. If your desire is, Lord, would you teach me? Lord, would you forgive me? Lord, would you help me? Maybe tonight you've wrestled with some of the things that's went on in your life. But tonight the Holy Ghost reminding you that yoke's been carved out just for you. Maybe tonight you find yourself wrestling against some of the things God's put his finger on in your life. Somebody needs to hear me tonight. You're claiming the grace of God. You're claiming God's goodness and God's love. But you know there's areas of your life that are out of alignment with God's will. And tonight he says, you need to take my yoke upon you and learn 
of me. Learn of me. It is only then that we will find the help, the guidance, the power to plow through these things of life. To produce a harvest. To produce fruit that is effective. Challenge us, Lord. Teach me. If that's your heart's desire, can we take the next few moments? I know I've went over a little bit here on this Wednesday night, but can we take the next few moments? Can we come and find ourselves a place to pray? Would you find yourself a place just to get alone with God? Can we come? Can we seek His face tonight? Can we ask Him to help us? Would you ask Him to challenge us? Lord, would you deal with me? Lord, would you help me? There's areas where I thought I've had it figured out. There's some things I fought you on, Lord. There's some areas, Lord, where I have not yielded. Oh, but God, tonight, challenge me. Help me, Lord. There's liberty under the yoke of Christ. There's freedom in that yoke of His. There's productivity under that yoke. There's help. There's harvest. There's fields that will be turned up and turned over. Oh, and the seed of the Word of God will be planted and profitable as we yield to Him. Oh, as we walk with.